All right, Juggernaut Podcast, Episode 8. We have a very, very exciting episode today with one of my favorite dudes. I'm not even a baseball guy, really, like, but Dallas Braden, who's one of my favorite minds to pick of anybody that I know, and I'm not even a baseball guy, but there's certain people that are just scientists in their craft, and when it comes to baseball and specifically pitching and the science of pitching, Dallas Braden is one of the most fascinating brains that I know, so today's episode is one of those ones that I just, it's, it's a privilege to be able to have these kind of conversations with people that you really admire. But before we even get into the episode right now, I have some stuff, I can't even, you can tell I'm getting right into it right now, no messing around. We got some really exciting news, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it, because um, this entire time that we've been building this brand and business, and um, over the past two years, I've really been putting my soul into um, this entire concept, right? Like starting your own business is a very like um, daunting and at times feels impossible. At times feels very frustrating endeavor. But um, in this entire time as well, we've been spending all this money creating content, making stuff that I really, like I said, have poured my soul into and really care about in the deepest sense because I really believe in it and I know what we can do and I know what it is. And um, the entire time, everyone keeps saying, you know, where's the episodes of the show and all these things. And I knew I'm like, I knew what we filmed and I knew what it was worth. And I knew like, I didn't want to just piss it away for nothing or do something that compromised, you know, the values of what I believe in or the type of people that I'd want to be in business with. And all that to say, all that, I feel like kind of highfalutin whatever language. I don't know what I was just speaking, but all that to say, I'm very excited to say that. I think next week we'll be able to talk about it more, and for sure two weeks from now we'll be able to talk about it a lot. But we're working with some guys that I'm extremely proud to be associated with, some really brilliant, smart business minds. And honestly, more than anything that I care about the most, some really authentic, genuine outdoorsmen that really care, right? Like you could do deals or you know different brand stuff with anybody, but to be able to go into partnerships with someone that loves the stuff that you're passionate about as much or more than you. These guys are really, really authentic. It means the world to me. So we, I, I can't even say it with a straight face, but we're working on some really, really, really cool stuff with um, these guys from Ball and Buck that honestly we went, we were shooting clays in St. Louis last week. This one guy, Big Mike, I don't even know if he missed a clay in like two hours, three hours of shooting. He's almost, I'm actually going to look into CIA or something to see if he might be part robot because this guy literally can't miss clays if he tried. And even my, this other guy, Adam too, that's also, I mean, this guy's putting arrows through gators from like 50 yards away through a hole this big. I mean, both of them may be cyborgs with how good they are at shooting stuff. But all I'm saying is this, people that are really passionate and authentic in this brand to me is one of the coolest brands that I've ever come across. So that the fact that we're even thinking about doing anything together is one of the coolest things in the world. So it's really exciting. And all that to say is we're going to be releasing a lot of crazy content soon That's um, that I've been waiting on and people have been waiting on and asking me. And trust me, I hear it. I see it. When's the stuff coming out? All the show? Is it just podcasters at a show? Oh, it's not only a show. It's the nastiest show that you're going to see. And especially in pertaining to, I'm talking about anything. But in pertaining to outdoor stuff, we're going to eat your lunch. That's just all there is to it. So I'm extremely fucking excited in, in so many words. And um, check out Ball and Buck. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming soon. Collaborations. We have a million 
like quite literally one million things being cooked up right now. So I'm wildly excited to tell you that because Juggernaut, we don't just do deals with anybody. In this business world, there's a lot of slime. You know what I mean? There's a lot of slime, a lot of things that really aren't, don't feel so good when you lay your head down at night. This is the opposite. This is one I feel very proud to be associated with. And um, just stay tuned because it's coming. Let's get into the episode. What do you think about the lumbar support? I'm going to keep it. I think I got it. All right. What advice? What advice? We are live this very second. All right. From Simi Valley, California. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to skip all my intro stuff because I got a little turned up coming here, a little excited. We are live with one of my favorite people. And this is going to be awkward at first, but I got to get it out of the way. DB, Dallas Braden, we're here. Yep. First of all, dude, I wish I was better at baseball because this house is sick, dude. Yeah, no. I should have thrown way harder than I did. Well, well, it, this this is kind of what you get if you throw as hard as I did. If you throw a lot harder than I did, uh, you're going to need to check with multiple security guards to get into those neighborhoods. <laughs> well, we got into two those security gates. guards right here, yeah. dude. Well, the homies are they're good to go. This is built-in security, but I, mean, I, I appreciate I appreciate that. I dude, appreciate like that. I should have been funnier. I should have thrown harder. Like what the? F- I'm looking around, and let me say this for the people at home: if you're watching this. This is a sliver of what we're looking at right now. There's like it's a compound. We got 16 areas over there. There's a monkey bars gym. The front has like he had 17 kayaks and things. It's like an REI in the front. <laughs> well, we just got back from the lake. Yesterday probably lake has day. a house there too. And Yesterday let me say this too: day. this ain't even DB's only residence. No, no, we got multiple dwellings. I'm just saying this. I've known Dallas Braden from a few years now, and I've met him in the office. All these things. I got a different even perspective right now. And I don't even want to get into this right now because I don't want to have a negative thing. But I love Jared Carabas and I went to his house in Boston. I'm very grateful. The Rocket. It was a beautiful house, the Saugus Rocket. And, and the Rocket's rich too. Like, Good gym. Way to go. Quality gym. Way to go, Rocket. He's rich. But, dude, Rocket, you're getting cooked by this guy right now. That's my honest feeling. He's going to be pissed that I said that. <laughs> but this is a compound. I don't I don't, I don't. don't have the gym. I don't have the gym that... that uh, the Rocket Performance Center. Oh, shit. They, yeah, the R, yeah, the RPC. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, but it's it's in beautiful. It's, it's He's got oceanfront property in Saugus Domingo. So <laughs> that's something that you're sleeping on, YP. Listen. That's something that you're sleeping on. There are, do you know anybody that has oceanfront property in Saugus Domingo? No, I mean, he's the mayor. Though. He's oh, the mayor of so Saugus then, Domingo. So that makes sense. And I want to say I love the Rocket, but I have now been to both sides of coasts of the, the Baseball is Dead podcast headquarters. And it's oh, like, yeah. It's, I'm probably one of the first people ever. Uh, I think you. I think you very well could be the only person that has seen because this house both is pretty HQs. new. No yeah. one else. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. No. I. Uh, Have you been there? Yeah, I've been there. So you're the other person. Yeah, You've I've been. I've been, been there. there. I've been there with his uh, with his mother. Uh, I've been there with his with his uh, sister, like with his mother and his sister. Yeah. Um, there's actually a, a beautiful photo of his mother. I saw and his that. Sister and I together hanging. Very centrally located in in the middle of that, which is a, a, again, Jared. Thank you, my friend. It's appreciated. Um, I, I I am. I think I'm I'm blessed to be honest. You're I'm blessed. blessed. We're blessed all to blessed hold that to know spot. The rocket. Yeah, I mean it's and it's wa- right in the, the front, wall. right by the Undertaker thing. It's right next. To yeah, there. right next. <laughs> and I don't want to disrespect. Like, listen, the the Rocket Performance Center. I had a great workout there. I, my time there was like. A1. Yes. So I'm grateful. Understand. But as in me personally, too, I'm a nature guy. 
this is unbelievable. So on the on this side of the camera, for anyone watching, we now have what this giant reserve over here. Yeah, there's a bees? whole there's a there are, well we have yeah we've got a couple beehives. Uh, there's a wildlife preserve, Corganville Wildlife Preserve, directly to our left, and it's like 250 acres of it's it's awesome. It, so that's not even like in the compound. It's like connected. Then we have back here your office, which was very cool to me. We got the perfect game home plate like yeah. i was it's like a little mini hall of fame i think it's a lot of cool stuff i was like dude can i touch it like it's to me it's so cool i'm just saying db before we get into any because i got a lot of things i want to pick your brain on damn dude you're cooking i'm doing all right we're doing okay i'm proud i'm just proud to be a part of this because damn you're cooking DB. we're, we're, we're doing okay my biggest my biggest thing is we've got my whole family here with us yeah and your right? grandma's here that's it my grandma's here obviously my wife my, my children so the dude, your wife comes together, up bringing us waters like i'm like i feel like i'm in a resort right no, now she's she's well she's i mean she's a majority of the reason why i'm even halfway decent to be around at times is because of how sweet she is you got to cook in db and when I, this is the thing i'm always going to be honest when someone's got like i'm not a hater i'm not i'll be honest and you got to cook in dude i'm i'm not jealous i'm well, i'm excited to be around it because someday you. i hope to live in a kingdom like it's this it's it's good to have you it's and good to have you thank you and also lastly too we got the big catfish right there like this kind of makes me feel a little bit of missouri that's why that's why you like this place is because it's outdoors right, right? it's outdoors that's right. that's why you have fallen in love with this place like the rocket there's he fish, wouldn't even have fun here there's fish there's turtles uh, you know, he he'd be into uh, he'd be into the, the office, yeah, like, podcast, and the like, rocket would sit in that office, yeah. for thirteen hours. He'd go work out and yeah. he'd go to bed. Multiple TVs, yeah, yeah. that's what he does. Yeah, that, on, the, well, yeah, on the backside, you know, on the backside, I got a weight rack and I got a oh. you know punching bag and all that jazz. But there's it's nothing. It is not the rocket performance center. It's not, and and also the RPC like. It's got a little, it's kind of hallowed ground. Like when beautiful. I walked in and I know that's where the rocket trains, it's, it's like beautiful. there's a little different air that's about it. it. It's beautiful. So tell me, you also like, tell me like where's your home base? Like when you first started out, it's like you also were set up in Oakland for a long time and are there most of the year, right? Yeah, we bounce back and forth. You know, spend time here. This is home base. But back and forth between L.A. and Oakland and obviously I'm on the road with the team. So right. And, and how do you like that, like traveling so much? Oh, dude, it's incredible. Getting to go to all these cities that I got to go to as a player, that's right. awesome. My family gets to come out and enjoy those different cities and check out different things. So just having the ability to move around the country, watch baseball, and have my family there, that's unreal. So they come with you sometimes when you're on sure. the road? absolutely. That's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I your mean, daughters have got to be like seeing so much stuff all the time that's the name of the game man is if you can afford them the opportunity and the experiences then that's exactly what we're here for so what is your from a player's perspective and then now if you had to name your favorite city on a road trip like to go to oh man not oakland like whatever like yeah a, a no, visiting. Uh, i love seattle i've always loved seattle i love boston love boston really? uh tampa is nice because I love the outdoors. Right. So I get out. I can go fishing. Uh, I go on walks every morning. You know, I can watch manatee. I can, I can do the whole nine, man. I'm watching. I'm watching birds, just mac frogs left and right. Like oh, I yeah. just, I, I, I love it. So anywhere that offers me also the opportunity to get out and and walk around and see nature, much like you, I enjoy. So you're saying Seattle, Boston, and Tampa. That's your top three. Um. Off the top of my head. Right. Yeah, just because of the sightseeing and 
things like that. Like I love to go walk around the flower market in Seattle. Yeah. Get fresh flowers. And you get to like check out the ocean. Like what's your day like when you're on the thing? You're just there for the game at like what four or something? But other than that, you kinda got a lot of time to go around. Yeah, you got the morning. So you get up, go crush breakfast, you know, find a little spot that you like to go to. Uh like I, I go to this uh, I go to this place in Seattle where they have uh these little cheesecakes and then pure rich chocolate like that you can order like an ounce or three ounces of and so I go get a little shot of chocolate. I get some awesome uh, cheesecakes and it's just fuck crush time, dude. I'm trying to come on, come to bring your friend to work day. You know oh, what dude, I'm saying? It's, I'm it's, trying to do that. Like it is bomb diggity. So the other thing too, is it different now? Like I, one thing that I want to get into in a second because I, I'm a hockey guy. I love the sport of hockey. I played baseball growing up. I wouldn't say that I love baseball, right? But I'm, I'm a, I love the nerd aspects of certain sports, right? Like for instance, I didn't play football. But I love watching certain like breakdowns of like, like one thing that I thought was so fascinating. So my brother-in-law was a quarterback in college and he would explain to me like, you know, when, we, when I don't know how much you know football, like when I'd watch it, a lot of times you're growing up, you're like, they're running, they're throwing, like you're seeing very like high level stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And then the first time he explained to me, okay, this is the Mike linebacker, where he moves off of this is like, that's where you're reading the coverage. And all of a sudden it's fascinating. Everything, like I'd watch like film, which is for a guy that's, I'm not even going to say my heights, you know, specs. Cause well, I it's because you understand the, the responsibility of each player now. And it's fascinating. And now you understand like when a play is made, how remarkable it can be because you understand like what his, what his job is on this right. play. And when he not only takes care of his job, but then goes above and beyond and ends up somewhere on the other side of the field, right. having navigated and shed the entire scrum. Right. But, and, and not even just that. I also think that, I would love seeing, like, okay, like, everyone sees Mahomes and he's singing these things. Once I first started, and, like, there's people on YouTube, a lot of really cool people that are, like, giving knowledge to people that are, like, like me, that I have no background. And he'd say, okay, this is what they're playing, this two-high shell against Mahomes. This is what they're going to do. And they're, all of a sudden I start understanding it. So the reason why I bring all that up, I don't even know if you remember this. One time, long story to say, I've watched baseball. I've done all this stuff in my life. But the first time that you explained to me the nuts and bolts behind like setting up pitches and the way that like a count, like every batter and the way that the first time through the second time through. And I don't know how we could really like sum it up or talk about it, but like, I just wanted to say like, um, explain to me on a layman's terms when you go up the first time through and like how you're setting up pitches. Cause remember when you told me that stuff, we're sitting at the bar at Barcelona. And I was like, when, when you go up the first time through, what is like your process of analyzing what you're going to do? Well, you have a game plan. You know their tendencies. You understand what you do well. And it's always just really like doing an overlay map of that and seeing where your, what I call, uh, air holes are. You know, like imagine you being under a sheet of ice, but you need to figure out where you can punch through. Where's the best shot that I can come through and create a breath of air for myself? Yeah. Right? Where does that lie? And that's what the scouting report starts to do is your tendencies, your success against what they do well. And then obviously being able to attack where they don't do well and applying what you do do well. How can that match up? And from there, you you think about a, a chessboard and you're starting to move pawns to draw attention in this area, knowing that a few moves later into the game, it's really in an effort to get them to be looking here so that you can strike here. Right. And 
you have to be able to create segments within that lineup. You know, it takes three outs, so why would you not think about every three hitters as an inning? Here's my outs. Here's my outs. Here's my outs in the first, second, and third inning. And you don't want to give everybody the same answers to the test that they're going to be taking against you. You want to force them to have to fill in a different bubble on the Scantron. So while the answers might be A to the first three, it's B to the second three, and it's C to the third three, meaning maybe what I show the first three hitters the first time through is going to be different than what I show the second time or the second group of like three the fourth or and sixth. the third group of three because now I can just start to flip these pitches, right? Just move these guys from the bottom to the top. So I started them off on change-ups, and I started the first three off on fastballs. Well, now the second time through, the first three guys are going to start with change-ups first pitch of the at-bat second three will start with what the first group started with the first time which were fastball so blah 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 blah. right and it's so fascinating but that's all that's all a game plan right until you go out there and get punched in the mouth Well, also there's the physical aspect as well you have to then execute like i could sit there and say i'm gonna say bottom right corner every time then you have to hit within probably this much or else it may not matter and that's how things unfold in a perfect world right right that's so again from there, that comes the art of of reading swings, reading takes, uh, just understanding what a guy at the plate can do well. And if you're looking for contact, thinking, all right, I can execute my pitch. Right. Maybe in a zone where <clears throat> he's active, but I like my I like my chances better. Right. So you can I, take that risk and say, listen, this might be a little more shaded towards him, but I feel good about my side of it executing right now i feel like i am making the good read so this could be and i don't know if you know the answer to this or if anyone knows but like to me and i like i have friends like nhl guys that they will be film nerds and they can tell me every single guy's curve from memory right and then there's some of them that i'm not talking shit but they're amazing athletes and they show up and they just they're really good and like they may not really know they're not sitting there before the game knowing exactly mm-hmm. what they're going to do. For sure. What percentage of, like, to me, you strike me as, like, a more of a cerebral pitcher. Like, and I don't know these guys, but, like, if some guy that throws 104, like, do you think they're they are thinking like that? Well, there's guys that are that are just in a position to outstuff the competition. Right. Which is, what you know, that's what we call it. You're just being outstuffed. So it's, uh, it's rare when you get the combination of stuff and cerebralness, like, thinking about a guy like, Pedro right right thinking about a guy like even Roger Clemens but you think about you think about guys that have just absolutely pure nasty stuff Randy Johnson like I'm just trying to think of like super dominant that have both that have both like the ability to because Randy Johnson didn't have that initially right he was like Roy Halladay shit was moving all over the place trying to figure it out and then you finally start to hone it in to a point where you become effectively wild but then you learn to pitch off the misses and really and all what do you mean by that piss off pitch off the misses so if i'm trying to throw a fastball in for a strike but i throw it in off well i know that it might have just been maybe an inch or two in off so visually it still sets up my ability to now slow the hitter down away even though i didn't get my strike right visually i sped him up physically and visually, I drew his line of sight closer to his body line. And now the next pitch I can execute is slower. Right. And it's farther away, about as far away from the last point of visual contact that he had with the baseball. Interesting. 
so I so can it, still like, work off of that miss because it wasn't a strike, but I can still work off of that. That's interesting because that's not what I would have guessed that meant. That's very fascinating. So the thing to me that I thought was cool when we were talking about this, you would, and the other thing about baseball that's fascinating, you're playing 162 games, and year after year, it's series in a row. So it's like these guys you're facing, you might have faced 15 times before, 20 times. So would that change season to season, like when you meet a guy the next season, or do you think it's like there? Do you know guys that you're like, oh, I know he knows what I'm gonna do. That's yeah. I mean, that's what you call like the the book. The book is out on you, and right. the book is out on guys earlier than ever before these days, just because of all the information they have on you from the time that you are drafted. Right? Like really? At these days and age, you can quite literally go back to watch, you know, the Max Preps Perfect Game tournaments and and you know all these other. big tournaments and these big travel ball entities and they've got video footage of all this stuff so analytics too where a computer's saying like you don't even have to like no because you you know what a kid's spin rate is right now like you go look up a kid in idaho who's dominating as a 14 year old and look up what his last spin rate numbers were and where does that kind of stop though because i know like i remember hearing about all the yankees and they were like People are saying, oh, it's too much analytics or this or that, where they're, like, only going off of numbers. Like, do you think – because baseball is kind of one of those games where it's, like, a bunch of individual events like that. Do you think there's a limit of that where it's, like, this is getting to be too much of, Uh, like, computerized? It's only too much when you allow it to become too much. In what sense? You're putting so much stock in the numbers that you're failing to apply the eyeball slash experience test. Yeah. Which is somebody that's experienced. You can see – what's unfolding you can see a guy's swing holes you can see a guy's uh you know ability to move mechanically on the mound move down the slope repeat an arm slot repeat delivery and if you're just looking and caught up in spin rate numbers you might not see that there's some things that he's doing physically that are predisposing him or you know exposing him to some mechanical flaws right and but if you're just caught up in what the what the numbers are telling you and you're not focusing on that and maybe the ability to make him move more efficiently yeah could unlock an even greater number for you right like are you thinking about that yeah you know so and and the thing too that I think is fascinating is 162 games there's got to be a fatigue factor of like like not even don't care but it's like at some point it's like yes they're professionals getting paid bajillions of dollars but the human element it's like when you're in game 97 out of 162 there's got to be like a little bit of mental fatigue of like just from being on those teams and now being around it so much how much like throughout the season are they consistently still peppering this stuff every day you you mean like like is the team like Every day they're going into every game doing this research for okay. Oh yes, like, yeah, absolutely. Every time, absolutely, absolutely. And, and you think every pitcher is like dialed into this because this is a, um, you know, every every at bat is like a hole of golf, right? You know, you got your first pitch of the at bat, uh, your drive, or your tee shot, right? And as you get deeper into the at bat, you're just thinking about your next approach shot. Yeah. And now you're on the green or maybe you're just off or if you're like you or I on the golf course, maybe you're just probably dumping a new ball over there. You're like, well, fuck it. I can't. No, I can't find that one. Let's put one right here because I can't find that fucking thing. Yeah. Um, So that's where you have to think the hole and the pin placement is going to change 
from Thursday to Friday, Friday to Saturday, Saturday right. to Sunday. So how I'm going to approach this changes. So Friday night, first game of the series, maybe I see something you're doing a little differently. And people are switching that up. Do you think there's hitters that are like, I'm just going to completely do different than what I normally do just to screw them up? Yeah, because if I'm facing, you know, let's say I'm facing you and, and, and another pitcher, and your strength happens to be his weakness. Well, now the same pitch might tell you both collectively that that's the pitch to throw me. But damn, his is just not as good. And what his features physically, like velocity, tilt, which is basically, you know, movement right, right. of the pitch, angle of the pitch coming in. If I can get to that physically, because it's not as hard as yours, not as sharp as yours, not fuck, throw that to me all day long. Right. Well, he's got to adjust how he has to get me out. Probably not the same way that you can get me out. So he he can't afford to just throw that little looping slider in there because yeah. I'm gonna hammer it. Yeah. You and on the other hand, I think it was interesting when we were talking about this too, and like it's just so crazy to me because it's such a cerebral like. When you go to a baseball game, you go get some beers, you have hot dogs. Like, there's so many like layers of it. It's fun to go to a Cardinals game or do this stuff. Got to say what's up to the mascots. Got to say what's up. Got to say what's up. But the thing that's crazy to me is like, okay, then there's like even watching a little closer and knowing these guys that. But it's like, when you watch a baseball game, you're seeing a language that people aren't seeing. Like when you, it's it's probably some people. It's like I. No disrespect, but I'm like, man, if I had to watch 162 games in a row, like I would almost be like, could I do that? Because I'm not a baseball thing. But you're seeing it in a, like the Matrix code where you're like, is any baseball game you watch like fascinating to you because of that? Absolutely. Uh, it's very much like I would imagine musicians, people that are musically inclined or like. No, it's like it's like when I go see something fishing or I see like a lake or someone's doing some shark thing or like right. when the way they're setting up, I'm like. What's he using? What? How right. deep is he? What's he doing? And right. like, if I showed my friend, hey, look at this thing. They, we don't give a fuck. What they don't care. No. But if I look at that, I'm like, wait, why are they doing this? They're coming on the edge of this flat. Mm -hmm. Why is he sitting there? Right. Oh, because this pushes them. He's worried about this. I think that element. It's like, it's like just almost, a simple, the simple choice between going top water or not, right? Like. Dude, my buddy Mitch in Minnesota, we sit there and talk for 45 minutes about, man, the water's this cold. I'm thinking this, but it's mm -hmm. a little over, cloudy. Is it over? See? And, there you it, go. and you're sitting overcast? there, and he's like, but I threw this yesterday, and I think he might have seen it. So I think I think that element, stuff is all this to say, is like when you told me that about baseball, I'm like, I'm not even seeing this language right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fascinating. One thing that I remember you told me, too, is like, there will be guys that go up there. And this is, I guess, so one thing I'd want to do, too, is translate it into, like, the entry level of, like, what are some things you can look for. If you want it, like, 99% of people are never going to be able to know what you know. Fair. Because it's just years and it's all this stuff. One thing that I think you told me that I put into practice was, like, when someone's sitting on a certain pitch, like, when they go up. Like, a hitter might be, like, I'm not even going to move unless it's this curveball. And, like, is that something, like, how can we, like, identify, like, an average person to watch baseball and, like, see a little more than they normally see? Well, something like that, like, if you're looking to see if a guy's sitting on a particular breaking ball, meaning, like, curveball, slider, you know, a sweeping slider, they're trying to throw the term sweeper out there. That's just let that die right now, all right? <laughs> it's a slider with sweeping action. That's it. Okay. Okay. For the record, we let's want that not, on record. Yeah, let's just not get, let's not get crazy <laughs> with that. Um <laughs> 
But, you know, they're like simple strategy, hard in, soft away. So if you're trying to think about how the pitch sequencing is going to go, if you see guys throwing hard fastballs inside, they might throw one, maybe two in a row. And then from there, you might get a breaking ball away, which is a little softer. So, so they, that's kind of like the general like rule is like hard end. It's, it's, a, it's a way to like, it's what we call putting guys in a rocking chair. Okay. Right. Because if it's, if it's hard in, you're whoop. And you're right. And yeah. you're backing up soft away. You got to go out. And it's fitting that we're in a rocking chair right yeah, now. Yeah, there you go. That's perfect. It's, and that's what you want to be able to do is you want guys backing off, fishing out there. Because the goal backing is you off. want them to be unstable and I not want be you able to be uncomfortable. To... And I want those eyes moving, right? It's a box. And I want your eyes moving all around this 17 inch box. I got to be honest. Sometimes when we talk about this stuff, I'm surprised anybody gets a hit ever. It's kind of insane, like, how many variables. Like, and I guess that's why batting averages are so low in comparison. It's like, it is, I think hitting a baseball is like. Well, we just talked about it right now. Luis Arias, uh, we talked about it on Baseball is Dead. Download, subscribe. Uh, Check it out. That he is, as we sit right now, a guy we're having a 400 conversation about. Like, is he going to hit 400, right? And the fact that you're even entertaining that is beautiful because fans would be, so delighted to be treated to what a 400 batting average season would look like if they had somebody on their team right. hit 400. Because you would look up and be like, that guy's on base twice every game. Every game he's on base. He gets a hit every game is what it would feel like. Yeah. And you would feel really good about going to 15 games a year. Right. Because you would see him get a hit in every one of those games. So what's he at now? I think he's right now. I think he's in three eighty one. That's crazy. Do you think is this our best chance? Like, if this doesn't happen, do you I think set the over under at three seventy two. Yeah. Like, do you think? I mean, realistically, will there ever be another four hundred hitter again? I mean, dude, it's tough to, to it's tough to say that there won't be when we're having this conversation right now. But at the same time, it feels like with all the analytics and like technology advances of like pitching, but he's and all def- this stuff, he's defying he's defying what those analytics are in place for. Those analytics are in place to create horsepower and to dominate at the plate, to dominate the power at the plate, Yeah. right? If I've got a guy up there who said, look, I don't care if I hit the ball over the fence. I just want to hit it in the holes that are out there. Yeah. Well, now we're talking about a different ballgame. So That's a different approach right. than what the analytics and the numbers are really telling us, which is how to make this ball move as much as possible with as much velocity so that we can make them swing and miss because all they're trying to do is hit homers. They're just trying to do damage. Right. So here's how we counteract that. Well, now we've now we need to have a game plan for the guy who's going, save your damage. I'll let those guys do the damage. Right. I'm here to chip away, yeah. chip away, chip away. It's like, all right, well, you know, now maybe throwing it as hard as possible and making it move as much as possible, maybe we have to rethink how we utilize that approach. Because we just don't want him to get a touch on it. Like, we can't let him poke it around. Right. Like, so you're just trying to make it hard for him to locate kind of right. thing. Right. I mean, yeah, and that's it. Is so, so now you get in, that's where the sequencing comes in. Right. So when you were facing, like, what is your – and I know, like and, – and I don't want to do too much baseball nerd because I love it, and I know you have other – like, there's so many things I want to ask you about, but it's, like, it's just so fucking cool to me. One thing I think is interesting is, like, when you're approaching a guy who you're afraid he's going to absolutely smoke at 480, that's different versus, like, a little, like, 
one of my favorite guys, Juan Pierre, someone where For it's sure. like, did you pitch against him? For sure. Uh, no, I don't think he. But like he someone where it's like a smaller, like just get on base type thing. Like, what is your like? What is the strategy like there? Where you're like, all right, this guy probably won't get a hit, but if he does, it's gonna be gone. Uh, Throwing well, softer, like what no. is like the? So like I always, I always uh, would I use Miguel Cabrera as an example because he never hit a homer off me. Really? Doubles. I struck him out once. Looking. Really? Fastball down and in. Sorry about that. No, that's the that's the one like the one you remember. It was probably a ball, if we're being really? honest. Probably a ball. And you know at the time you're like, damn, I didn't expect to get that call. Did not expect to get that call. Not against that dude. Yeah. Absolutely not. So there's that politics too of it. Oh, sure. sure. Really? Yeah. But I would always say, like, oh, limited the damage, meaning no homers. Right. Limited the damage. And it's like, buddy, he hit like seven hundred against you. With doubles and RBI, like, what do you mean? No, no. I said, no, no, no. He didn't. He never hit a homer. Like, there was no damage, no big yeah. damage, right? And I would always say, soft, little soft singles, little soft doubles, tied him up. You know, right? He's just strong enough to not for me to not break his bat. I didn't throw hard enough, and he was way stronger, so I just didn't break his bat. Otherwise, you know, if he wasn't a Hall of Famer and he wasn't super strong and wasn't one of the game's greatest hitters, like if you take all that away, then maybe I had a shot. Like you beat him, basically. For sure. Absolutely. He got right? a double, but we cooked right? him on Like that. if we just if we just don't let Miggy be like Hall of Fame Miggy yeah. and let Miggy be like way, way worse than that, yeah. then maybe I got a shot. That's fascinating. Fair. I just think so like, and I know people always want to know, and I'm sure I've answered a million times, like, because everyone, like, growing up, it's, like, all the big names. Like, you know, that era, that's when I was, like, growing in high school and all these things. It's, like, who do you think were your top five if you're, like, fuck, I got to see this guy at the plate? Like, who's your most respected? You're, like, I am screwed when this guy walks up. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, Miggy, Miggy is probably up there. So how many times do you Bel- play him a year? I feel like Beltre was up there. Uh, that's your division, right? Yeah. Miggy is not in my division. Beltre is in yeah. my division. Seattle, then Texas. Yeah. Uh, man. Is it like, do you like not, not want to give up, them credit or is it like. PTSD. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. I have no problem. No, no. Like during that time, though, you would have never said this. Um, No, because I still think like it's it's one of those things where it's it's known, right? Like it's yeah. known amongst the game. Anyway, like. uh Man, I think like the Tigers traumatized me. For sure. For <laughs> it looks sure. like you're getting that thirty thousand foot stare right Man, now. Man, it's like Maglio. Oh yeah. dude. Yeah. Bro, Maglio, I gave up two homers in one inning. No way. To Maglio Ordonez. Wait, oh yeah. Wait, to the same guy? Yeah. And I don't want to point this out, DB, yeah. but if you saw him twice in the same inning, things that was a going long well. inning. Yeah, things <laughs> things were not going well. No, that was sure. a long inning For Dallas. sure not. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, not great. How'd you not get yanked? What, they just kept going? Oh, no, I got yanked, and then I got sent down on my birthday. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, so, yeah, it was a... Uh, what year was this? this my, I think it was my rookie year, 07. So that, like, okay, when you're a rookie, a pitcher, is there a little bit of leeway of, like, you're still figuring it out? Because, like, I feel like pitching seems like something where experience really makes a difference, no? Yeah, it does, but, uh, you know, they're giving you a hell of an opportunity Yeah. to not go out and piss down your leg. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. What what start was this? Like you'd like had what? a few so far? Or yeah, it wasn't your yeah, first yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am shit. It might have been 2008. I might have just been getting the years wrong. Um, but, uh, you know, it was just, it was one of those things where there's nothing going well. I even actually remember we had an at-bat where I think it was Inge 
that came up. Yeah. And my pitch coach came out, and Inji, we became teammates later. Um, but I was like, dude, all right, I'm going to make a pitch. I'm going to throw him a changeup. He's going to roll it over to me. We're going to get a double play. We're going to get out of this. Right. Changeup into the ground just over my head. Like, like I legitimately jumped for the ball. Like, I was close. Yeah. Safe. Merry-go-round begins. Magaliel came back around. <laughs> just put a dagger in my Blew out my birthday candle. <laughs> <laughs> and you're standing there and like, and I'm not, first of all, oh, I'm going to say this. Tough. My only time pitching. Tough. They're like, okay, Ben's going to pitch today. I, I'm not chirping. I just want to make it known this is in the tiniest shitty Little League. I got hit a bill. I was the mister. I just want to throw strikes and not throw balls because mm-hmm. I thought that's what you're supposed to do. These guys were like playing target practice. on <laughs> So I'm not chirping. But all I'm saying is when it's not going well like that, and you kind of know, but I'm sure you're a little bit lost in it in the moment. And then you look, and Maglio's walking up. What's in your head right there? You're don't, like, don't let this happen again. And then it's, you're like, damn. Then it happened again. <laughs> Can you laugh about it now, or is it still like, I mean, it's like. Yeah, no, as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to fuck you up just to kind of get that emotion out. Dude, since you brought it up. I can't tell. I mean, I'll talk about when I've got No, I, I can. I'm just saying it's like no, it's almost I, like two different people. Like that was you, but that's like almost, it's like. But it's, it's hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah. That is hilarious. Like that's what I mean. I don't know how you don't know about something like that in baseball or have experience and can't find the humor in that. Right, right. Like you have to. Just, yeah. to, just to set aside, like, yeah, this happens. Dude. Yeah, it's pure comedy. And it's happened to every pitcher, right? Like, even Pedro uh, got, like, shucked around sometimes. Yeah, I don't know that he gave up two homers to the same guy in one inning. Like, I'm not going to put that on Pedro. Right, we don't know. <laughs> but I'm sure he had some bad outings, yes. Yeah. Fascinating. So, like, when you go down, like, how long were you down before you came back up? Oh, I mean, that all changes, you know, based on need. I'm and, saying that and time. Like, were you sitting oh. down there and you're, like, having nightmares of Maglio? Like, no, no. Well, yes and no. But I, I wasn't down long. Yeah. No. So, like, take me through, because I, obviously I want to get to some of the more, you know, we, we know the highlights of DB. We'll get to it. But, like, take me through when you first came up. You're from here, right? Where's that? Like, in California. Yes, yeah. From, yeah, I'm from Stockton, which is Yeah, the 209. 40, yeah, or 50 miles or so or whatever from So, Oakland. like, when you're pitching for the A's like is that got to be the most surreal thing in history it's a it's a literal dream come true to be able to pitch for your hometown team yeah and we had two two teams in the bay area right so but yeah to be able to put that uniform on and having gone to those games as a kid and have that all come full circle that's like you don't draw it up any better than that you know like when you you got drafted by them uh i was originally drafted by the Atlanta Braves out of high school. Interesting. But then, yeah, signed with the A's when I was drafted out of the Texas Tech University. So then next thing you know, you're like, what was your first start like when you're pitching for the Oakland Eight? Like, that had to be the craziest thing. It was nuts, man. Who was nuts. it against? Baltimore Orioles. At home? Nope, on the road. On the road. At Camden. That's pretty sick. Sick. So what was your first home start like, though? Uh, not great. Uh, was that the one? No, we lost. Uh, and I got shelled. But... Uh, I mean, it was it was good because you know I had friends, family, grandma was able to see me pitch at home for the first time. Yeah. In the big league, so that was yeah, that's all awesome. And like, what was your kind of like when you'd go back to Stockton or something? Are you just the the cock of the walk? No, I mean, dude, there's we've got, uh, I, I believe we have like 27 big leaguers that have come oh. from Stockton, California. I didn't know that. Yeah, just like 300,000, maybe 350,000 people, but 
to have that many big leaguers from that area. Who else is from Stockton? But there's a lot of guys. A lot of guys. So, like, when you're growing up, it was a realistic thing that that could happen for you? Um, Not that realistic in terms of, like, me knowing that there were that many from Stockton because we've kind of added on to that yeah. as time has gone. But, yeah, like, I mean, you know, Ed Spray, you got Garibaldi, Vaughn Hayes, who was actually my double-A coach. Really? Um, which is which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 a ton, man, a, a ton of guys. So, like, first Eddie year Gregato, goes by. Everyday Eddie. Everyday Eddie. So the first year goes by, you're, like, kind of getting your feet wet. You're having the second year, so it's the third year that the perfect game happened, correct? Fourth year. Fourth year. Yeah. So take me through kind of like everyone knows the perfect game. We'll get to that. But, like, what was that season like before that happened? Because that's a life-changing event. Like, what was your, like, you know, your career was going well, but I think that's, like, one of those things that it's, like, that defined everything from there on. Like, what was it like that year beforehand? Well, I mean, just, you know, normal. Because it was early. It was in May. So it was really just the first month or so of the season. Right. So you're just trying to, you know. Get your routine established in season. You're bouncing around, traveling, and you're just trying to make sure you've got all that kind of stuff squared away, staying on top of your health, just, you know, all the little stuff. So nothing nothing crazy before right. the season or leading into the season. And, like, as a pitcher, what is your kind of, like, because some days are vastly different than others. Like, what is that change? you try to stay consistent, or do you have, like, a complete game day routine type of thing? Oh, yeah, big time, very regimented. You know, talking diet, what you're trying to, you know, eat when you're trying to eat it, oil in your glove, polishing your cleats, scouting reports with the pitching coach and the catcher, scouting reports in the shower, getting your arms stretched, you know, just doing all of these little things to get you mentally prepared. For like, it, from what, you're up at 7 a.m. starting that? Like, oh, no, like you probably, I mean, you're getting, I would get up in the morning and move around. Like, I'm just, I'm waking up whenever I wake up. Yeah. No set time to wake up. But I've got plenty of time to move around before the game yeah. and, you know, get physically active. And then from there, um, that's, yeah, when I get to the field, that's when shit pops off. Yeah. So, like, I always think my favorite part of maybe all of baseball is, like, the pitcher and the catcher, at least at Bush Stadium when I'm growing up. I don't know what it was. It reminded me of, like, a boxer walking to the ring. I think the coolest thing in the world is when I'd see Yachty and, like, Wayne Ryder, someone walking in from the bullpen and the thing, and that walk, and everyone's kind of getting juiced, like – yeah. It's just there's nothing more, like, swag than that. They're kind of walk, And maybe because I grew up in St. Louis, like, Yadier Molina might have the most swag, like, to me, of a catcher. Sure. And you kind of do that slow walk in, like, what is your, like, that's got to be the coolest feeling in history, like, before your start, or are you, like, wired kind of, like, nervous? No, I'm focused, very focused, not necessarily wired, just focused. And you're just going in and you're like, okay, you're just thinking first inning? Like, you're just like, what am I going to do right mm-hmm. away? Yep. Because I've emulated what that ending is going to look like in the bullpen to finish off. Now I'm into the bullpen, or now I'm into the dugout, kind of just replaying that. And then from there, it's time to have fun because all the work has been done. Yeah. Right. The hay is in the barn. So now it's time to just go out and have fun executing the game plan we've put together. Yeah. So take me through that day. Do you remember anything special in the morning of that day or anything? Like, because. For that to go right, a million things have to happen, and there's obviously some element of, like, wow, I got all the bounce. Like, that that just went right. But, like, did anything feel different before that? No. I mean, like, before the game, like, I was I was late to the game. Like, I've talked about being, you know, I was I was hungover because it was Mother's Day. Yeah. And Mother's Day was just a, a, a rough situation for me leading up to 
you know, even that moment in my life, having lost my mom in high school, um, it was just my grandmother and I. So leading up to that day, there was nothing like positive going on. It was really just trying to recover and get to the field in time, hoping I was on time or there with enough time to pitch. Right. And I made it there in time. Everything was fine. Didn't have time to do anything in my pregame routine. So as far as that kind of stuff goes, everything was different. Yeah. Everything was thrown off. Yeah. But bullpen was the same. I wasn't throwing any harder. Like I laughingly talked about, you know, I answered questions like, yeah, I was I was 104 in the bullpen. I threw a slider that was like 94. I, I don't. I didn't even throw a slider. I don't know what happened. Then I got into the game, and yeah, it was just back to 88. Yeah. You know, no slide. Yeah. So it's like, no, nothing was different in that regard. Everything was just kind of the same old. And the game starts, and like, okay, first inning, you're like, where you're like, oh, man, I'm cooking, or is it just a normal nope. inning? Normal. normal. So at what point in that game were you like, what the fuck is going on here? Well, not until uh, they started to, like, have a mound meeting, and they were making a pitching change. They were going to make a pitching change, and you look up at the scoreboard, and you start to do the math, and I'm like, oh, shit, I don't think I've walked anybody. Wait, so you didn't? You weren't even thinking about it? No. Not really? At all. No. On purpose? Like you don't uh, no, want to be just, su- No, I was just not even just not even locked in on that. So like every other every other game you've pitched, when you go back to the dugout in between innings, you're not like doing some sort of like analysis of what's going on, you're kind of just staying in your zone. Yeah, I am looking at the the hitters, I know who I've got coming up, and from there I'm just going over that that kind of stuff. So they're doing the mound visits what? Like 4th, 5th inning or like when was this It was like the 5th inning setting? maybe. And did that change your your brain at that point? No, because I, I remember saying out loud, I was like, just don't baby it. Yeah. Don't baby it. And then from there, just went out and did the same thing, just attacked. But like the eighth, ninth inning, you got to start getting a little bit like, holy the shit. Eighth inning, at the end of the eighth inning, I struck out B.J. Upton. Good, hard, fastball, hard. It was like 88, 89. Uh, on the and just to point mark. out too, because I want to say this in the middle of this, we just looked at the lineup card. This was a stacked team you're playing against. Just good. for the record, they were good. They were good. Longoria. It was like I, names that I look back. I'm like, holy shit! Like this was a really good team that you're playing and, against. And when I struck him out, I walk off the mound in the eighth inning. Like it's a wrap. Really? It's a done deal. And did what are they saying to you in the dugout in between? Oh, nothing. Nobody ever talked to me, and that, it wasn't any different that day. I was just not somebody that spoke to my teammates when I pitched. Right. I, because every other day, I was their biggest fan. Right. Huge yeah. cheerleader, like just trying to be trying to keep everything cool and light. And so on my day that I pitched, that's why I was very, very, very focused. Yeah. So then you go out for the ninth inning. Do you remember every single second of it still? Like how much? Like how much times have you like watched that ending? I haven't. I mean, I've seen you know the the ending and, and the last out, and I've seen that a lot play just through highlights and stuff. Um, but yeah, my grandma and I have still never sat down and like watched the whole game. Just her and I, just kind of watching the game. Um, it's weird, man, because it's almost like certain parts get blurred out because other parts just start to take precedent. Yeah. Over everything, and and really the ending of the game. And being able to embrace her after it all, like that's that's almost what I remember after the pitching change. Yeah. You know? Really? Yeah, it's weird. And like, so okay, the second the, the ball's in the glove and it's like the last out, are you thinking my life just changed? Like, I mean, that's like one oh, of those no. things that is like, it's it's an unbelievable moment. No, the, the first thing was I like, I hope the Rays don't feel like I'm disrespecting them by cheering like, 
Right. You know, like right in front of their dugout. Like I'm not trying to show anybody up. Um, but then from there, yeah, it was just like, fuck, I can't believe that just happened. Yeah. Like that's shock. Fucking bananas. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I, I wasn't thinking about life changing any, like, no, that was never, like, I, I legit was like, I know what day it is and I know what just happened. I just need to get my grandmother in my arms. Right. Like, I just have to have that right now. Yeah. Which I, is it, why, like, walking back, like, you can see, like, you know, coaches and my teammates are, like, still slapping me and, and you know, kind of cheering or whatever. And I'm not even, like, I'm just looking for my grandmother. Right. She would come to every game or no? Yeah, every game that I pitched. So, like, did you know where she was in the stands and yeah. you just went? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't there. She ended up on the fucking top of the dugout. Oh, really? Yeah. So then what is that day like after a night? Like, you see her, you're with your grandma. It's like, that had to just, like... When did you go to bed that night? Like, it's like, how did you ever, like... It was great. We how did you go on with life after? That's such a crazy moment, man. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. It was it was nuts. It was very nuts. Like, I... If I remember, we just went home and, and hung out. Had pizza. Really? Yeah. Didn't do much. And the next day, you just go to the ballpark? Yep. But, like, I feel like every, I remember where I was when this happened. Like, I, I'm not even an Ace fan. Like, I remember me and my friends being like, that's crazy. Before I ever knew you or anything, I remember, like, seeing this guy. I'm like, like, I remember that. It's that's, like a crazy, crazy moment on my life, where dude. Where were you? It was 2010, so I just graduated high school, right? It's 2010. Mm-hmm. I remember me and my friends were at my house. Because I just remember the image of you, like, in the uniform, like, celebrate. I don't know why. Like, it's not like I remember the whole game. But I remember seeing, like, Dallas Braden. Like, it's not like I was, like, an A's fan. It's not right. like I knew. But then I knew that name, and it was, like, I remember seeing it on ESPN. Because, like, I used to check ESPN every day. Like, I was obsessed and stuff. And I remember seeing that, like, you know, they put the red thing. People who know, I don't know if people look at ESPN like this, but, like, the headline, it was in red. It was, like, Dallas Braden, like, perfect game. And I remember seeing it. I think I have a screenshot or something. It's, like, it was just such a crazy thing. I was obsessed with baseball and sports, and, like, I remember that. So like, were they just blowing you up? Like, what was that like media after that? Yes, uh, yeah, it was it was cool though. It was cool because my grandmother got to make a lot of the a lot of the rounds with me, which yeah. was awesome. Like, just you know, did Letterman and you know some other uh, late night. The thing that I think is fascinating too about like an event like that is you said beforehand, it's not like it was like a World Series where you have like all this buildup and you know it's coming. Your life literally changed in the blink of, like, one day. And it's like, so now Letterman's calling you all these things. Like, And personally, it's such an overwhelming thing. But it's like now you have all this gigantic hoopla going on. Like, how was that? It's just, like, so much chaos, right? It was bananas. Absolutely bananas. The tour, like, it was, yeah. Like, I remember waking up, like, in the the presidential suite in Texas. (laughs) And my agent telling me to go buy a a sports illustrated and i was like why he's like just go get one so i went down and started looking for one and was like oh that's dope yeah you know pretty cool yeah so like just all those feelings were were crazy man very crazy what was your next start like after that i've never even thought about that dude uh i threw a complete game so at this point, like, okay, lost, this is though. this is another question though. Once you threw that perfect game, are you thinking, oh, I figured it out? Like now I know exactly. Like, was there that crazy feeling of like I can't get hit ever again? Not that I couldn't get hit, 
But if I'm being 100% serious, that was like, like I had learned to finish baseball games in the minor leagues, like how to throw a complete game. Yeah. Um, and that's like, for me, it was like an achievement unlock. Right. Like once you do this, you're graduating. Right. And you're starting to figure out how to do things on a different level. Yeah. Like that was the first complete game that I had ever thrown. Wow. I didn't the, realize that. In the big leagues. Yeah. So uh, from there, it wasn't wasn't a feeling of invincibility. It was a feeling of you've just learned how to flip a lineup three times, four times, right? It's not four, but. Three exactly, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so what did you learn from that? And the amount of confidence that I think you take away from that right. almost supersedes any other like detailed, specific execution item. Interesting. As opposed to just the confidence that my stuff was still as good on the last pitch as it was the first pitch. And do you think people were trying to light you up way more after that? For sure. So was that kind of tough or no? No, I, I think you just expect that because it's like, come on, this slapdick. Right. Like, they're like, we don't want to be the guy. Like, I want to smoke this guy that just had the perfect game. Right. Interesting. And, like, did that affect your mentality at all going into it? Or you're like, whatever. Like, No. But it's like, damn, dude, if I'm the gazelle trying to make it across the Serengeti right now, I'd rather only have to face, like, one Pride Alliance. Right. As opposed to multiple Prides. Now all the Prides are looking at you like, we want to <laughs> right. fuck up this gazelle, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, no, I'm good. This dude. guy, like. What did I do to deserve that? Come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. So, like. The rest of the season, the rest of the long, like, everywhere you're going, is it just, like, nonstop every day? Like, did it almost get tiresome? Not tiresome. Never tiresome. I mean. We're sitting here today people, talking about it. It's, like, it's kind of crazy how the, the fact magnitude. People, yeah. Like, the, the, the pe- people just, because they've got stories to tell about where they were on that day and yeah. what that meant. And that's what means the most to me, man, is being able to talk to baseball fans who love it this much that – that that's a story they want to share. They want to meet me at the ballpark. They want to whatever, you know, and I'm always more than happy to, to hear, sto- hear stories and, and meet fans and talk about that stuff. So when you look at, like, obviously I feel like that has to be the obvious answer, but I guess other than the perfect game, is there a game or, like, a situation that you pitch yourself out of that you're like, that was when I was the most dialed in of my life? Uh, No, not not really. I mean, maybe... I don't know. I think I can remember, like, honestly, one of the things I wanted to do, I think it's pretty obvious. You throw one perfect game, you want to throw a second one. You want the next start to be perfect. You want to go as far as you can. Yeah. And the fact that I was able to to finish the ball game, uh, whether or not we won or lost, I was still, I was proud of that. Yeah. Um, but in terms of a moment, um, like maybe picking off Jeter. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. At first? Yeah. How'd that happen? He got a little too far off. Like, and you just, like, give him the move? Got that ass. What'd he do after? Well, there was nothing he could do. Like, he was, because I I know what he was going to do. I knew what he was going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I knew his lead. I knew his routine. So, speaking of those Yankees teams and stuff, and I see, here's the thing, too. And I know DB is a podcast veteran, so you get it. It's like I know Dallas Braden's talked about some of this stuff a million times, but then I want to talk about it. Like I'm interested when we talk about those Yankees teams and all the stuff, a topic that I know you have, Alex Rodriguez and all the stuff. I don't even know because I don't want to wind you up too much, but like take me through for people that don't know 
what was the incident with A-Rod or any sort of history of that that happened? Just dude ran across the mound, man. We know better. We know and better. like, have you, what is your like kind of take on it now? Like, are you guys cool or is it still kind of like? I have no reason to speak to him. Like, I, you know, no reason. I'm not going out of my way to be mean to him or rude to him. Like, no, but he doesn't think of me just like I don't think of him. Like, we're not I've like briefly by each met A Rod. I don't, and this isn't mean. I don't know if he thinks about anyone else, to be honest. He kind of seems right, like, like, no offense. Sure. No. And so, yeah, no, I, I have no, no thoughts on, on him in that regard. What is it like when you're in the MLB like that and you're a stud of your own, but then there's like these figures where it's like a guy that's making $500 million or all that, like those dynamics got to be so interesting. Oh, that, that dude's a, I mean, that dude's a hall of famer in my eyes. Um, so yeah, it's just, but my, my whole point has always been, we're all playing the same game, right? He's playing it on a different level, <laughs> right? We're all playing the same game. I'm playing it on beginner. He's playing it on expert and seeing the game at beginner speed. Yeah. And those are just two different levels. I guess it's kind of similar. I guess the only frame of reference I would have is like when I would be at Barcelona and people would come up to you, yo, what's it like working with Dave or Big Cat? And it's like, I guess that's kind of the same thing that I could say is like, to me, I'm like, I work there. I do my stuff. I want to be as good as these guys. But there is that kind of weird element. Like, was there ever anyone that you played with where you were like, Damn, this kind of hype or this like stuff is pretty wild. Like just being around them. Uh, shit. I mean, Matsui. Yeah. You know, um, Big G, Giambi, Frank Thomas, the uh, Big Hurt, Nomar, Matt Holiday. I mean, I'm trying to think of who else. What's it like though? You're with them every day. All the stuff like they're normal dudes, or are you like, damn, that's like that's Giambi? Oh, well, I mean, G was cool as hell. Nomar, cool as hell. Frank. Cool as hell. Like, all, all those dudes were cool as hell. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, sure, they got their own stuff going on. Right? right. They got their own routines. But, like, as far as teammate and just in the clubhouse, in the dugout, and yeah, great dudes. Great dudes. Ben Sheets, fucking all-timer. Yeah. All-timer. And, like, when you are now doing this kind of stuff, like, obviously, so when you retire, right, you're like, oh, man, you probably missed the game, all this stuff. But it feels like because you're in this space now, do you feel a little bit like it's – you're not pitching, but the lifestyle and everything, you kind of still are exposed to that life? Like, do you feel like you're, like, still connected to it the same way or is it different? Well, absolutely. I mean, I travel every day with the team, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm with them every day. So in that regard, as the broadcaster, yeah, I'm very much connected. So that's But does a, it make you, like – are you ever like, fuck, I want to go pitch? No, because my body hurts. Really? Yes. So it's like kind of perfect now then. It's great. My ARA doesn't go up or down. <laughs> if you want to if you want to move it down, I'm totally cool with that. But it can't but go it, up. It will not go up. And that's a guarantee. And I'm fucking more than okay with that. So like now you do you appreciate baseball in a different way that you don't have that stress of having to perform in it sure, right now? Sure. Yeah. And these guys are so good. So good. It's so fun to watch. Even then 5 10 years ago? Oh yeah, man. Like the average velocity's up. You know, these guys, just the the way the game is approached, uh, it's a mixture of, you know, new analytics uh, paired with get back to old school, maybe move the game around, let speed and contact play a more significant role. Like it's, in my opinion, it's never been more fun to be a baseball fan maybe than, you know, 70s, 80s. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. I know the 90s and early 2000s were a lot of fun for different reasons. <laughs> for, for the juice. But, uh, yeah, man, I think ba I mean, baseball is just in such a great spot. So would you ever like, and obviously I'm I'm like over here doing the slobber fest. I'm obviously a DB guy, but like 
maybe everyone's as smart as you this. I don't know. But, like, would you ever want to coach or be a pitching coach or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I've thought a lot about doing. Um, you know, just having those conversations with guys and being able to connect the dots, not for them, but with them. Right. And having them sort of have those revelations because everybody's trying to marry – the numbers and what they're being fed with what they feel yeah. and how they feel. And, all right, how do I use those if I'm feeling this type of way? What does this number mean for me? Is there a, a range or a goal I should be looking for? And Or do I just scrap that whole thing and, and get back to feel right now because it's the game? And, you know, just being able to have those conversations provide some of that guidance. Right. That can go a long way. And I, I, I would much rather see many more guys get to the big leagues. You know, that's because so I know I know what like that college or minors type thing. Yeah. Like, really? I mean, yeah. Like you want to have an impact at a very important part. And it's not to say that that can't happen in the big leagues, but I think a lot of that work is done prior. Interesting. So you think like that level of development is ripe right there because they might have the physical tools, but you can come in with the processor and the computer and say, here's why this is how you hook this up. Here's why. That's interesting because to me, it's like, how, so how many games did you pitch total? Shit, I have no idea. Oh, really? No idea. But it's like you the, the amount of data that you have from this stuff, the hard data, plus like just being around it. Like when the, the days that you weren't pitching, are you still downloading nonstop the whole Absolutely. game? Absolutely. Absolutely. Even now today when I when I watch. Yeah. Yeah. You just you're you're constantly adding to the Rolodex. So like when you're in the dugout, you'd sit in the dugout off on non days, right? Or in the bullpen. What, when I was playing? No, no, when you're watching. Like, not when a day you're not starting. Uh -huh. You'd be sitting in the dugout? Yeah. Where? Because, like, in this, I've always wondered this. Like, you know when managers bitch about calls and stuff? You can't see it from here to here. I mean, you can kind of see the height, but, yeah, like. Yeah, but you know what to look for in body movement. So, like, if if, uh, if a guy is reaching across his body line and you can see him reach across his body line like this. The catcher. The catcher. Yeah. You know that ball's, if it's a right-hander, you know that ball's out. And so you, so when you, so you can him, see from the dugout, you're you're getting exactly where it is. Yeah, you're just geared because you've been watching baseball from that perspective your whole life. Yeah. So, like, when you're there, you see seeing, okay, I, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow. Just like when you guys are watching puck movement and right. off-puck movement from the side. You're yeah, watching. that is true. I've seen it. At the, that's interesting. So, like, aren't, in the game, you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I can't wait to do this tomorrow. Or are you like, I'm yeah. just logging it? Or like, no, yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of licking your chops at times. Or you're like, oh, man. You know, I got my work cut out for me, which is really? the majority of my experience. <laughs> I got my work cut out for me. So this is going to be fun. How do we survive? Was there guys that, like, that you pitched with that had great stuff that you could help, like, where you were like, hey, man, like, how much of that between pitchers? Because it's like you're on the same team and you want to win. Sure. But you're also, like, kind of an independent contractor in the sense of, like, each pitcher is kind of like their own entity of going out and doing that. Mm -hmm. Was there a lot of exchange of information between pitching Every day. staffs? Every day. You're yeah. going to him, hey, what did he do this? Like Every day. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Every day. And you just, it's more just to have those conversations because how it's applied changes because if you're right-handed, I'm left-handed, quite literally a very different approach. We might not even see the same guys. Yeah. So that changes. But if you're the same hand, then, yeah, you want to exchange information, what kind of swings look good on what kind of pitches, in what location, in what count, in what game situation. Is there any element of, like, and this could be very toxic of me to say, but, like, I guess when you're on a team, you want it to do well. I know that. But is there ever a time where, like, you're like, damn, these last four guys pitched perfect and now the pressure's on? Or is, like, if the guy before you gets shelled and you're coming in, you're like, all right, now I'm going to 
No, that's just how it's baseball, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you see guys get pulled with, you know, having given up one or two hits, and then the bullpen just implodes, right? Right. And you just never know how it's going to go. So, like, what do you come out of the bullpen as well, did you? Mm -hmm. What is that mentality like when you're sitting there versus when you're starting? Ready to eat every day. Every day. Every day. Was that kind of more fun where you're like you're not waiting? And it's for... a little more, uh, yeah, you, you feel like you're a little more aggressive. Yeah. And the, it, did it almost like free you a little bit? Because you're like, I don't have to have this giant routine and uh -huh. all this yep. like. Yep. It's got to be so. kind of like, yeah. and that was after Liber you were starting? A little liberating. But you still develop your, your routines as a reliever, you know. So, you're but, still scouting the same way I was because I knew I always wanted to start. So nothing was going to change in that regard. I always wanted to be armed with information. But when it comes to relieving, like the warm-ups and the intensity of how much you got to get your arm ready once every five days to throw 110 pitches, what is that warm-up like to do every day? Isn't that like a lot harder on your arm? Well, no, you're, you're, that's why you have a throwing routine because it's, it's not that way. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you're playing catch at different lengths, you know, different throw amounts. Yeah. It's all very different. So fascinating, man. I mean, it's one of those things that I think like – I could ask you 7,000 questions, and I appreciate you humoring me because I'm sure to you it's pretty, like, secondhand at no, this point. But it's I'm sure, yeah, but it's interesting. I know that. But, like, when you look at baseball now, what fires you up the most? Like, like what, is there, like, a pitcher? Like, you, would, you go to watch the playoffs. You're like, mm -hmm. I can't wait to see how this guy approaches this. Like, what do you look for the most right now that interests you? It's really just the the way the game is played and executed and what aspects of the game is – uh, are prioritized with certain organizations and things like that. Like, that's what I like to to watch unfold. Like, you know, each player can provide me with certain levels of entertainment based on what their skill sets are. So it's not necessarily about that for me as much as it is watching the game almost played in a defiant manner where right. guys are running all over the place, guys are stealing bags, almost g gambling, which, I mean, ultimately it is, but yeah. they feel pretty good about their choices these days. But just watching the power override on the mound as well at the plate, watching the contact take its place and the speed come back and take its place in the game, that's all been really exciting to watch. And I can't wait to see how the postseason presents all of that. Yeah, I mean, and maybe it's because of you and Carabas because I'm close to it. But it feels like there's a different energy now than there has been five, ten. I don't know. It just definitely feels like there's kind of a new era right now. Oh, think? there is, man. There's it's a, it's a new wave of talent, and they're younger and better than it feels like we've ever been before as baseball players. You think there will be more Shohei Otani's in the future? No, really. No, like nope. that's not going to become a thing where no, now not, people are trying not on to his do level. That. No, trying to do that, they already are. They're already drafting guys as two-way players, right? So that's fine. I'll see it in the big leagues, and that's when I'll believe it, in the big leagues. So you think that we may never see, like, not never, but it's like. No. Nope. He's just a unicorn. That's it. It's that simple. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. Yeah. Like, you, yes, you are watching the greatest baseball player to have ever lived. Really? Straight up. Damn. I mean, it makes sense, but I guess I've never thought about it. Like, you really think that's a cold, hard fact. The last time you've ever even had the conversation about somebody doing this kind of stuff on any sort of level has been Babe Ruth, right? That's, That's what I was going to say. So, so there's no – and that conversation has been done and over with for a long time. I'm a big George Herman Ruth guy. George Herman Ruth cannot hold a candle 
let alone a menorah. <laughs> he can't hold many candles to a tea candle to anything that Shohei Otani is doing. Just can't. So, like, when this, do you think he's going to stay with the Angels? No. So we're talking what seven hundred million? Like, what are we talking right now? Yeah, north of five. But it, it, was again, there a price that you wouldn't go for him? I mean, I I don't have the pocketbooks that some of these other guys do, but if I was interested in winning baseball games and making money, I would find a way to make a competitive run at Shohei Otani. I feel like if you're the New York Yankees or someone that has that type of money and stuff, it's like, is there a price where you're like, listen, this isn't worth it? If for you Ohtani? just if you just fancy baseball owners as being art collectors, yeah, and imagine this crazy artifact has just come to market and it, it may never ever happen again it's never happened a hundred years you want it to be part of your estate don't you yeah you may be willing to part ways with some other things to get there i don't know is is judge or like who would you say is second to like well, I mean, they just put the captain they just put the c on his chest judging going anywhere uh, no i'm saying i'm saying when it comes to otani like he's maybe the I, you said it. Well, I don't I'm telling know. you Aaron Judge because he won the MVP last year, right? I guess. But it's like. And Judge knows just how valuable Shohei Otani is. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's like, it's almost it's, like. It's not a question amongst the people who play the game. Really? No. Because there's no way. So if Otani's pitching dim down a little bit, would he still be? If he was a. That's the question you have to ask. That's what I said very early on before he even threw his first pitch or at his first home run here. I said if he has a four and a half ERA and hits twenty five homers, right, and makes twenty five starts, is he still the best player in baseball? I would I would find it hard for you to tell me that he's not the most one of the most productive baseball players that the game sees today. He, like if he's like a number four starter, or he's something. making twenty five starts. Yeah, four and a half ERA. You know what that means? That means twenty five quality starts. Yeah, six innings, three runs. Every one of his outings, on average, was six innings, three runs, is what that four and a half ERA means. Yeah. So if he gives you that over twenty five starts, that's a pretty good chance to win twenty five ball games. Right. From him pitching, and he very well may hit a homer or drive in a run or so that takes away from the total number that you have to cover. Because if you only have to, if you got to score four, right, to win, he's now his ERA he's, is actually like and two he's or three. spotting you one of those. Right. It's like man. It's really now. Now we start getting into tricky. You know how how do we quantify his overall value? So because you can have a hitter that's like Aaron Judge hit sixty home runs, and you're like whatever. But no matter how many home runs he hits, he's never he's not pitching an inning. No. It's like that element to it kind of breaks your brain where you're trying to quantify. Like well, what's that's where they on. say, well, he's playing Gold Glove center field. You know, this defense, and and there's no doubt that that defense is important. But right, so is pitching. It's pretty pretty important if you ask me. So this might be a sore subject, but something that I feel very personally, not invested, but I guess I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, and we had a team called the Rams, which did come from L.A. or whatever. But when I was right around kind of the same time, I'd be watching Dallas Braden out there slinging it. I started hearing rumblings about, oh, they're going to move all this stuff. And it, I, I didn't even conceive that that could happen. Do you know what I mean? I never knew. And then when it happened, it felt like the biggest kicking the nuts to the city of St. Louis. It sucked. It was like, what? Like, And it was so ugly at the end, and they're saying we can't support a team and all this stuff. And it was a terrible, gross, ugly thing. And a lot of people in St. Louis, where I'm from, despise them for leaving and despise Dan Kroenke and all that stuff. 
and I would happen to agree with them. Right now, we're seeing a situation with the Oakland A's, who is a, you might be the most true blood, <laughs> look at the toes, true blood, true toes Oakland A's guy in the world. Where do you stand on it now? And, like, you're obviously wildly close to it and have been. Where where do we stand right now and going forward with this situation? Well, even as close as I am to it, there's I can do nothing more than you can do about it. Really? You know what I mean? Even with your influence or, like? What, what, I mean, I'm not, nobody like me is in the negotiation room. I'm not privy to what's going on, the back and forth. And I've always said, frankly, I'm glad that's the case. Yeah. You know, because I love the game of baseball. I love the franchise. I love the city. None of that is debatable. Right. And the fact that I can't control any of those things, I'm fighting an uphill battle. Yeah. You know? So at this point, are, are we for sure that they're going? I don't know because I remember when it passed and I knew all this stuff. But then I heard Oakland or uh, Vegas like didn't pass the thing. Like, is there a chance they stay or is it pretty much done? I, I legitimately at this point, I have no idea, and I and I could not like like whatever's final is final. I I don't know. Really? My whole approach has always been shovels in the ground. Yeah, you know, and I think that's the only way that. At this point, fans can maybe maybe take it. There's nothing else. There's nothing else to say. There's nothing else to do on on my part. Like there, there's just there's nothing else I can say or do. It is what it is. I'm just a I'm a fan of the game. I'm a broadcaster. Right. There's there's only so much that that I can bring to the table there. Such an ugly side of the sports business with stuff like that because it kind of gets detached from fans and from like the kind of pure part of it it just becomes this ugly like turn of like people love the team and they're so like I remember one thing that you said I forgot what podcast this was or something but you were like this actually stuck out to me with a lot of things in life and DB you didn't know that you weren't trying to be this deep but what you said you were like I feel so much pride in the fact that and all the fans of Oakland I think you're saying this to them you're like I think it was the day that it was announced, and you're like, this is what I would say. The fact that we loved this team without, you know, like there's a certain pride and beauty in the fact that even if this goes or you get shit on in the situation, there's no shame in absolutely loving something, even when it didn't, like, turn out the way that you wanted or it spit in your face and that type of thing. And I think that element of when you said that, I think in life that's kind of a cool thing. When even something does not go the way that you wanted it to go, you're like... I don't have any shame in the way that, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. what, what did you say to Oakland no, fans? Something of to that nature. You know yeah, what I'm talking about? Yeah. No, I, I yeah, I, th- I think I do. I think I may have just been, like, I went on a rant on our podcast. Um, but that's that's really that's that's the crux of it is. You should not be, you should not be ashamed at all for loving something, unapologetically. Like, there's, that's what makes, the tribalism of sport, so great. Right. Is because you can fully commit to things that are intangible, but for you, you feel so strongly about, like, you can hold on to those fibers yeah. that tie you to this franchise, that tie you to this player, whatever it may be, right? So, and that's what that's what the, that's what A's fans have done. That's what a lot of passionate fans have done, is you love something and you, you support it unapologetically until... You don't have that opportunity. And even if it doesn't give something back to you, it's like, that's okay that they love the A's. And then something, it's like, 
whatever way you put it, it, it like put me at peace. I'm like, damn, that's a really interesting perspective because you don't really know what to feel when something like this happens. What do you do? Straight up. You know what I mean? Straight because up. you're angry. You're out of control, then, though. You're out of it's out of your control. And I think one thing that pisses me off about this and about the Rams thing is like when it becomes oh fan support or this or that, and you're like, we know that's not true or what happened. It's like there's a lot of ways to to put your finger on the scale with that, where they would draft no one, and the Rams were the most boring team, and the dome was their six and ten every year for, and then they're like, well, the fans aren't there. You guys haven't had a fucking team that anyone would want to cheer for in ten years. And of course it's going to look like that. Like that part of it to me, sports owners, and they know what they're doing. This is a billion dollar business. They know what they're doing with that. So then when you're going to try to move a team and it says, well, they just didn't show up to the ballpark, you're putting a terrible product out there. It's like me having a restaurant and putting out shit food and people are coming and they're like, man, this doesn't taste that good. I'm not going to come back here. And then you say, man, we got to move this restaurant. Nobody comes and eats here. And that's what these owners do. And it's like, there's really no way to stop them because then you look at the attendance and it's like, it's just such an ugly bit of business, man. Business, man. It's business. It's gross, DB. And I know we got to take the girls to the museum here. We're going to, we got to get out of here. But one thing before anything, I'd talk baseball with you all day. But I think my favorite Dallas Braden thing out of anything, tell me about, you're a wildlife guy through and through. And like, this is something I didn't know about you when I met you. You got a million animals running around here. We got the preserve. What is your kind of like favorite stuff, fishing, hunting, animals? Like, what are you into with that? Because I don't think people, not everyone may know that. Yeah. Uh, well, I used to I used to fish my ass off. Like, when I would play, when I was playing, um, we have a house up Stockton on the water. And after a day game, I'd come home, jump in the boat. Like, I would already have it gassed up and everything beforehand. Yeah. Come in, jump in the boat, and head back out and go spend the night overnight. Really? Absolutely. In the ocean? Uh, no, no. I, I, I never spent the night in the ocean. We could get out to the bay. Yeah, I, we fished the bay on my boat. Um, but no, deep water channel, the big, you know, the San, the San Joaquin River system, all that stuff up north. And what so, are we talking? What kind of stuff? Sturgeon, striper. Yeah, yeah. Go sit on clam beds. I had my boat rigged, like sturgeon lighting and everything. Everything geared towards crushing the dinos. That is one of the most unique animals in this country, I think, and in the world. The, yes. the white sturgeon, is it there, right? Oh, man. Just a beautiful tank of a dinosaur. And, like, people don't realize some of these fish 50, 60, 70 years old. Upwards, yeah. And they are an incredible fight. They're beautiful, beautiful fish the to look at. scoots and stuff on the side. They're almost yes. like iridescent and shit. Oh, they're, they're gorgeous fish to look at. Dangerous fish to, to handle. But um, also a gentle creature. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a crazy. A giant. They could be eight feet long, and they're they're kind of like, they're dangerous because they're so powerful. Just a bone plate all along the top of their back. Right. Yeah, with the ridges, with the diamonds. But it's not an ill-temperament fish. Like, no. I've caught sharks that they, like, it's things like, I want to tear. Like, when you, he comes up, a big mad bull shark, he's like, I fucking hate you. Like, that's yeah. the vibe. Mm -hmm. The sturgeon are kind of like these beautiful, peaceful creatures that really don't have any amount of, like, vitriol in them. Yeah, they're like, cool, you got me. Uh, that was a long walk. Yeah. Can you just... Do the back and forth thing like they usually do, and then yeah. and then let me go. And I'll what see do you it. guys use there for that? Because well, I'm not allowed to say my guy, the Sturgeon Slayer, is Kevin Estrada. I gotta give him a shout out. One of my favorite dudes in the world. He wouldn't even let me film what he's doing because he didn't trust. I'm like, dude, I'm not gonna tell anyone. But what you don't have to tell me. But what would you guys like tactics like on that river and stuff? Well, bait and stuff. You don't have to say it for the record. Sturgeon are bottom feeders, right? 
And so if you just happen to have the ability or the technology or whatever it may be to locate shellfish beds, then there's a good chance you would probably start to sit on some of those shellfish beds. You find those shellfish beds. And it's not like those are super secret spots. Right. Those are identified. Um, but yeah, I was uh, also a uh, ghost shrimp. Okay. Ghost Listen, shrimp. I, I don't want to. Ghost be... shrimp, grass shrimp, right? Yeah. Ghost shrimp, grass shrimp, and maybe a little WD-40. You can't A little something. Yeah. Just to throw them off. No. But that's, so like. You're you're talking every day of the season, like you're just out there going. Oh no, I was not out there every day, but like a lot. Yes, a lot, a lot, and in the off season, a lot, a lot, a lot. Striper runs, yeah. I gotta be honest. I was fishing in Tamales Bay. You know where that is? Up near Inverness, near um north, like San Rafael, like okay, north of uh-huh, there. Uh-huh. And I we were I was trying to catch leopard sharks, which I just think are so cool. Which like you people from there probably think like, dude, why were you doing that? Yeah. But I thought they're beautiful, and I was trying. to... And I hooked this one. I'm like, dude, this is a nice, it was a big striper. I, to be honest, I'm ignorant because I'd fished in Florida and Missouri and all more East Coast. I did not realize, because people think of stripers, New England, Maine, and Boston. This was a giant striper. I'm like north of San Francisco and thing. I think people don't realize how many stripers are out there. Stripers are massive, too. They can get huge, but But, like, people don't think of striper fishing. Maybe I'm ignorant, but I, I that's think the of it as northeast. That's what you're going after out, out in the in the Delta. Stripers, because there's a time. I mean, Stockton has some of the best bass fishing, yeah, on the planet. On the world the planet. record was caught in California, wasn't it? Big, big uh, large mouth, small mouth. Like it, it is, it's second to none, dude. It's incredible. Like I'm sure you got your lakes in Tennessee, and those are cute. That's great. But we're talking about like these fish naturally migrate. They haven't been stocked and raised here. Like this is fucking Mother Nature providing. So, like, when you think of stripers, do you think of Northeast or you think here? Really? It boggles my mind that the lake I was just at yesterday has striper in it. Like, landlocked striper fishing. That's weird. Is bananas to me. I still don't. I actually didn't know that. It's a landlocked lake that is, really? Yes. Big ones? Yeah. That's a crazy fish. Like, they kind of don't make sense a lot of times to me. Because I've seen them in the ocean. I've seen them in Montauk. You ever, like, you ever, you ever go to the? You ever go to like a Bass Pro or yeah. Cabela's and watch them feed? Yeah. And just watch that fucking watch them hit. Oh my god! It's an incredible. Aggressive. Fish. So strong and mm-hmm. so active. They're just such a beautiful. Just fish, a great man. fight, dude. Shaking that head all the way down. Oh yeah. What's your other favorite non like stocked and non things? Like, have you ever been on a road trip or places where you're like, oh, this was special to me as far as fishing somewhere? Uh, Alaska. Yeah, Alaska when I was playing winter ball. What do you mean? You or not winter, up there? not winter ball, uh, summer ball, actually. You played in Alaska? Yeah, I played on a team that toured Alaska. We played 12 games in 10 days. Dude, that's quite a racket. That sounds like a fun team to go yeah, on. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. But fishing, we fished the Kenai. It was Dude. sick. Super sick. Watching natives out there net and shit. Like, it was yeah, awesome. Wow, awesome. Is it? Do you ever do any hunting stuff? I have never... Uh, we'll just call it pest control. It's something I did when I played <laughs> baseball in upstate New York. Pest. We're talking raccoons, Bob. No. Rats? No. Oh, boy. Four deer? Legs. No. They would eat a deer if they could. Oh, coyotes and go. shit? Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. With just the... scaring coyotes. <<laughs> just scaring coyotes. A little pest control. Yeah. And That's did all. you like For an that? old lady. 
Do you like that, or is that is it? Well, it was, it was, it was an old lady who had who had like a flock of sheep. Really? Yeah. But I'm saying like like her husband had just passed away, and when when you look at it though, like you're a fishing guy more than any other. Yes. But tell me about your reptiles. Like we got the tortoises back here. Like I remember yeah. you. Used to I got talk- two sulcata tortoises, largest uh, largest land tortoise in Africa. Right here, they're actually in the audience right now. Massive. Yeah, he's, uh, sh- uh, that's Dash. She can haul ass. She's fast. I get it. She's ran away before. Oh yeah, like legit trot down the driveway. Dude, run. when they're moving, they're moving. They move. Dude, like I thought I was having an acid flashback. Like, am I watching this? Tort- is this tortoise running at me right now? Yeah, running. Like that's a light sprint for a tortoise. I think they're probably faster when they're that size. Yeah, and then I, my grandma's got a huge one. It's like sixty pounds. Wait, so there's more than these two? No, just the one that big one you oh, saw. Oh, oh, and then the little guy down here. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we've got. I got a painted. A uh, painted turtle in the pond. His name is Bob Ross. Uh, also in the audience today over here. We also have, yeah, we got the albino catfish. We got the koi. Uh, we've got eight uh, red-eared sliders back there. So is this the, was this always your dream? You're like, someday I want to set up like an animal compound thing? I just want, uh, dude, this wouldn't even be the half of it. This is uh, This is probably just entry level. So, I think so more's coming, potentially. When it's all said and done, yeah, we're going to be raising animals. Animal husbandry is something that's been on really? there. Really? Yeah. And what's like, I'm getting billion dollars right now, right here, like set up shop. Like, remember that old game Zoo Tycoon? You ever played that? Absolutely. I love that game. Yes, Dino Park Tycoon as yes, well. Yes, so the Dallas uh, Braden Zoo Tycoon, like what are we starting off with? I'd probably go Yellowstone 2.0. Really? Yeah. We're talking moose, elk, grizzly bears. Yes, I wanna. I mean, I can't raise any of those. I'm talking about the show Yellowstone. You seen the show Yellowstone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. I mean, maybe it's cattle somewhere. I don't know. Maybe that's a little aggressive. But when you think about sheep, it's an incredible turnover for the animal. Like you got. It's great. You got wool, right? You got the meat if you need to. Well. You could slaying the offspring. That's a tough. You, that's tough into, sell to the sheep. I you're think not they into like a the chop. <laughs> I mean, I am, but I'm saying at first I, when you're, I thought you were saying it's also a good deal for the animal where he can just get sheared and also have a nice life. But now we're talking meat as well. Yeah, I was talking about what the animal like the, the return. Yeah, the return on, the on investment. Like yeah, which is that's part of it because it's not like a cow is giving you leather and then no. still giving you milk. No, it's you know one or those the are other. two different cows. As <laughs> you got to make that but, decision. Right, it's either you know boots or vitamin D. What do you want? Dude, my sister just got married in Scotland. I got to tell you, those sheep, man, it's a wild scene. They're walking around. They got It's kind of like a crazy animal. I feel like they're kind of underrated. People don't really think yeah. about how crazy they are. Not smart, but. Not that smart. No. They're giving me that look. I'm like, this guy's got nothing going on upstairs. Yeah, you, could, you could lead him very quickly, very easily. So I didn't expect you to say that. I thought you were, we were going to talk more like you're, you'd be like, my dream's like snakes, like lizards type stuff. You're going you're going cattle and more of that Yellowstone type of thing. Yeah, no, because I, I want my daughters uh, to understand and, and you know, the, the, the value of taking care of animals, nature, what the world can provide you if you treat it well. Yeah. If you are responsible in it. Like that, me and you love animals, right? And like I remember as a kid going to this place they used to call it Little, Little Cocker Lake. That's what my grandpa called it. And I catch crawdads and fish, and I kind of remember becoming yes. in love with going that. Going and and-, and I think it's interesting, the concept of like, I want my kids, in, in theory someday, you want them to be happy and want what like whatever they like, but it's like it means a lot to me that they, like you said, love animals, treat them with respect, all that kind of stuff. How do you kind of navigate that where you're like, 
you want them to, like you said, to care about the natural world and see what it can provide for you, but you don't want to like force them into it. Like, how do you, as a dad, like kind of navigate that? I will force you into shit like that. Really? Because you're going to appreciate it. Like you're going to. I'm not forcing you to do anything. Like I'm, I'm not thr- like I get my daughters out here right now. They'll want to jump off the fucking waterfall. They'll want to, you know, they they're active. We just, like I said, came from the lake yesterday. They wanted to kayak and they were swimming all damn day. You got to pull them out of the water to layer them down with more sunscreen. Yeah. So they love nature. That we have, you know, the beehives that we have. They handle the bees. They got suits. They go up there and really? and look in the hive and check the hives with us. They do mite tests with us. They feed the bees. They do all of these things. It's because that is extremely important to me. They love this shit, though. Yeah. They love it. So it's not like force is a is a funny word. Kind of not, but I guess it... Like guide them. Yeah, because some people might say, well, do you, do you make them go up there? Yeah, I did initially. Right. So you forced them to go up there. Oh, I mean, I made them go up there and, and now they have a bee suit and we can't go up there without them wanting to go. Like the way you think of it is the same way you would force them to eat them. healthy or something where right. it's something good for them. Right. right. Like you, buddy, you walk into that house right now with a fucking red bell pepper. That thing does not stand a chance. Yeah. And they don't get eaten like a red apple. Yeah. Right. Is there they any, just, like any, you got any farming stuff going? I feel like that'd be something. We you'd got be some into. citrus trees. Really? That the bees pollinate. Oh, really? We had some, avo- see a we ton some of avocado. Bees. These are all your bees. These are mine. These are my ladies. How many? It's two hives? Jacqueline, Jocelyn, Janine. <laughs> you know all of them? <laughs> Dude, so what are they doing in that pond right there? I feel like they keep going to that spot. Yeah, they're drinking. Really? Yep. And where are, how far away are we from the hives? About 60 feet. Maybe That's 70. A, when, when did you get those? Five years ago. And and you just kind of like learned about it and got into it, or did yeah, you have my past wife. Experience? My wife is big time too. Like we both, she bought me classes for my birthday, and then she came with me and was like, well, "Fuck, I want to do this." Yeah. So she took she just took like a six week class, like a super extended class, all on her own, and she takes care of the hives when I'm gone and I'm not home during the season. Right. So she's on top of game. There's one right here. Yeah. But our daughters, like, you know, they get in the pool and they want to, if there's a bee in the pool, they'll scoop it up and put her out on the ledge. And So they're pretty, like, fluent already. Yeah, they get yeah. it. What a world, DB. I got to tell you, man. They get it. And I'm not even trying to be, like, whatever, but I just respect you as a human. I think you're a cool-ass dude. I, I think everything that. you got going on, and I'm not talking about baseball. I don't give a fuck about I'm saying I feel like who you are as the core, you stand on your values, and I think that. It's cool. I appreciate you being friends with me. It's cool. And I think that it's interesting because you expand. Like, you're not a one-dimensional dude. You're not a baseball dude. You're not just this. It's like, I think it's cool that you're kind of in all these different things. And I think that that's a very, like, uh, unique aspect of you. You know what I mean? And that's something that I think just as a, as a fan and someone else, just keep on doing it. Because we, we look that. at people like you and it's like, I know a lot of good hockey players, baseball players, but it's like, it is what it is. You're good at that. And that's cool. I think this is cool. You know what I'm saying? I get it. Uh, the Dallas Braden story to me is a fascinating story. So is there anything, I guess, last question, like what's next for DB in the next five years? Like what, what are you like looking to? Dude, I have no idea. I mean, we talked about, you know, the, the baseball team and, and what that looks like and how that goes. Yeah. There, that, that's very much up in the air. Um, I don't know, man. Like I'm, I still, like every off season, I still take classes at Texas Tech. Oh, just, really? Yeah, slowly 
chip away at the degree um, just because I was bored. You know, I need what something to do. What kind of degree is it? Uh, well, it was originally a psych degree. Really? Yeah, but I shifted gears because I was not going to be able to do the lab work, and I just yeah. I got I got kids, man, and, and this I do guy's have throwing flame. Like at the time, you're like, dude, I'm majoring in and gassing people out at the plate dude i'm not trying to be in the lab all day yeah so uh but there, there was just stuff like you know stuff in the field that i was just gonna have to have to do that i was not ready to meet the demands of yeah so i understood that quickly and shifted gears so now, now for, for me it's just about trying to stay busy during the off season and be the best husband and and father i can be to these girls because as i've told you they they mean the world to me and giving them every opportunity to be the best human beings that they can grow up and be is my number one priority. That is my wife and I's number one job. That's what we wake up in the morning for. And I could be happy doing that for them as a broadcaster. I could be happy digging a ditch. Right. You know, doesn't matter to me, man. Just putting a smile on their face. And do you think like you would, if someone came to you someday, like and I, maybe I'm just saying, like I said, the way that I see it, it feels like a lot of the cerebral stuff. Could you ever see yourself being like a manager of like a MLB team or something? I mean, I would, I would love the opportunity to manage a major league baseball team. So that's that'd be, full on. If they say that'd be fun, I don't know that. I don't know that the credentials are necessarily why, there, but it's because you look. You have to you have to enter that fray, and you have to be able to commit to that lifestyle. And I do that now as a broadcaster, but there's just more demand as an on the field member of the personnel staff. So being the manager, you are the face of this franchise. Right. You are the tip of the spear. But I feel like with your media and stuff, you don't think that's something that could be in play? Like, I feel like you have a very front-facing personality that a manager could be, no? Sure, sure. Yeah, but it's just, you know, when it's all about the right situation when that stuff comes along. And you don't just jump right into that. I didn't have the kind of career where I could finish playing and then walk right into a big league managerial job. That's not happening. So you work your way through a minor league system as a, a coach or a staff member in, you know, in different areas, and then maybe you find your way to the big leagues. Or maybe you just find a role where you're able to float around throughout the entire organization and have an impact on guys from A-ball all the way to the guys who are knocking on the door because you're going to see those guys in A-ball grow up to turn into those guys who are knocking on the door yeah. or maybe on the other side of that door. Right. So being able to impact them multiple times throughout their career could very well be more beneficial. Interesting. Well, we'll see. I mean, the, the good thing is I feel like the DB story, it's like we never know where it's going to go. <laughs> but it's like all, the, just only reason, the only reason I ask is because, like, a lot of people might look at this and be like, how do you, like, still want to do anything because you have everything? Like, and it's not everything, but I'm just saying it's like, look at this, dude. Like, no, we're, we're – there's – man, there's a lot to be thankful for in this life, and there's a lot of people to pay back in terms of the time and the knowledge that you have that other people could potentially benefit from. Right. Like you should take that seriously, you know? And, and like I said, my wife deserves the best husband that I could possibly be. My children deserve the best father that I can be. And baseball has provided me an opportunity to continue that pursuit. Yeah. So, okay. Before we wrap it up, we got baseball's dead with my friend, the, the Saugus rocket as yes. well. I want to give him, cause you know what? Jared, he'd be mad if we didn't talk about him. So shout out to the Saugus Rocket. Where can they find that? If people, even though that's a gigantic podcast, all this stuff, but we still got to do the plugs. Everywhere you can get a podcast, you can find Jared and myself, as well as as well as our man Jay Hay. Jay Hay Kid. That's right, Jay Hay and Joe and Jake. Uh, we have a lot of fun doing what we're doing, man. Jared and I have had a lot of fun together. It's been a lot of fun to watch him grow and watch him turn into 
the the guy he is and the presence he has in the baseball world. It's been it's been a fun ride, man. Also, and, uh, I don't know what date this will come out, but I and I'm not gonna dox anyone, but he'll know what I'm talking about. I might have had one of my biggest apples in human history. I don't know if you've heard about this, but I literally may have changed Jared's life forever. That's all I'll say. He'll know what I'm saying. That when I went to Boston, he'll know. That's all I'm going to say because someday we may be able to we talk call, about it. That's what we call a tease. In that's the biz, a tease, folks. but I'll tell you right now because he may not. He gives me credit on text and he tells me on the phone, but I'm saying it publicly. Whatever the Rocket says, he knows. I put this dude on maybe in the most major way. So we'll say we'll save that for a later date. I, I don't that. know if he's told you, but shout out to the Sox Rocket. Shout out to Baseball's Dead. Shout out to Dallas Braden. Thank you for having us to your house, bro. And oh. we got to do more. We got to do some nature stuff sometime. Anytime. Yeah, well, we're getting in a shark cage. We're getting in a cage with sharks. Yes. We're doing it all. Because, DB, we, I feel like we got way more to explore. We we're can gonna do, do that it. in the bay, baby. We Let's can do, do that it. in the bay. Okay, well, thank you for having us. We're going to get the girls to the museum. After yeah. all that talk, I can't be the one holding the girls back from the museum. We no. got to get them there. All right. We'll all see right. you. We there go. we go. They be like squad goals. Come on, rings, gang winners. Off the top, bro. Big tings, big sinners. Yeah, I'm tired of people talking, buying houses, fuck some diamonds. Me and Jay is perfect timing, like a wolf mixed with a lion. Yeah, stuck as fuck, but only climbing. Price went up just like the climbing. You know the vibes, why you mad? Cause you always miss a bag. I can't help it if you're down bad.